0: Hi, I'm Jennifer
1: Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk
0: with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place.
2: Fantastic. I'm honored to be with you both and thinking about preparing for this and knowing Jen for well over a decade and Jeff hearing so many great things about you and following the Plenty message. For me, being on the West Coast and being part of this community, it's uplifting and inspiring to know that there's people out there like you both that are boldly yet vulnerably and humbly delivering a message that I think truly transcends time and space. I said to someone the other day, they'll be talking about 2020, 10 years from now, and a hundred years from now, they will be talking about this year. And when we look back on this time, we're going to recall and remember those people who had a voice, who listened, who connected, and who were courageous enough to say, you know what, this is hard, but there's hope. And you both have represented that beautifully. I've, I've had the honor of sharing the plenty message with my my group through my podcast and sending the message that you both are doing out there. So I want to start off by saying thank you and a, and a depth of gratitude to you both for being stewards and leaders in a way that's not connected to title, but that's connected to absolute purpose every time you speak and every time you write. So I want to start off by saying thank you for that.
0: Well, we're rolling, so thank yeah, you do
2: We're, we're going to splice <laughs> that in somewhere. Yeah,
0: we're starting oh, with yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who are tuning in, let me introduce you to one of my best friends, Rand Bawa. He is the president of and founder of Renewed Balance Lifestyle Coaching. And he helps individuals, teams, businesses really elevate their potential and be the best that they can be. Oh, gosh, I, this is a, a whole story. So I'm just going to pause for a second say, welcome. We're so grateful. Tell us a little bit about where you're calling in from. You have a beautiful backdrop. What mountain range is that? And where are you right
2: now? I know you've been in the process of moving. So welcome, Rand. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jeff. I'm currently in Vancouver, British Columbia, on the West Coast, beautiful West Coast, my hometown. That backdrop, I even think it's the... Been- it's in Wyoming or or Alberta? Yeah, it is, it's the
0: <laughs> Teton's. but you're like British Columbia. This should yeah. be like
2: Algary Mountains. I, uh, I spent a lot of time in the mountains being in Alberta for over two decades, and there's a part of my heart that's in those mountains. And so I thought it would be appropriate to bring that to the table. And, and knowing you, you're in Utah and uh, Indiana and just kind of bringing the, the light from behind me. But it's an honor to be here, and that's where I'm coming in from today, Vancouver, British Columbia, and really happy to be here with you both. Thank you.
0: Well, for those of you who are just listening in, i uh, love to introduce my partner in crime, Jeff Shuck, co-leader of Plenty.
1: There's no crime. There's only great, yes. great things that we're up to, but thanks. It's awesome to be here, Ranch. It's so nice to meet you. And maybe maybe before, Jen, you tell a story of how you two are connected, let's just start off with kind of where are you at? Like What's present for you? Tell us what you're up to and how you're seeing and feeling about the world right now
2: great question thanks jeff and jen i uh, well looking back when this year started to unfold and back on it was uh, march 17th actually when a division of my business which is a training and physical training business shut down and it was like it was like that it was overnight i remember sitting down in my basement i've got two young kids 9 and 11 my wife heather i i came home saw them i went down to my basement and I sat quietly and I had my hands folded in front of me. And I was looking at the ground. And I just sat in the moment thinking, this is a tough one. I could just feel that it was coming. I, I played, a, I was a quarterback for a long time and I loved my career as a, as a QB and learned a lot from the game. And I remember sitting there, and it felt like I was on the bench on the sideline for a moment and deciding how I'm going to play the next series. And so I took the time and I've trained myself to do that. Whereas when I was younger, But I tried to muscle through it. So fast forward from that point to now, where I'm at, Jeff, it's a great question. I'm in a state of listening. I'm in a state of gratitude. I'm in a state of observation, really watching, listening, and aligning with my purpose and that of my family, while at the same time, aiming to be a channel and a foundation for people to speak, talk, share. What I'm noticing more than ever, and it starts with me to your question, is I'm talking myself more than I ever have. So I do I do walks in the morning and I I bring Ranj with me and he's walking with me. And we have very, very deep talks. Just had one this morning. And a few weeks back, we had one that was a little harder. And he was nervous and he was anxious and he was wondering how are we going to get through this? And so the conscious part of myself said, okay. We've been through times like this before, not this exact time, but adversity. So you got to lean back in to your fundamentals. So for me, I feel very strong, but I feel very hopeful. At the same time, I believe, Jeff and Jen, that we're just on the cusp of November. And I think we've got 60 days of really tough times coming up. And I mean that in a way that's not alarming, but more aware. And that's one message I want to send across is that we can look at this and say, wow, you know, we're in the fourth quarter of 2020, a lot of implications ahead of us. And it's not an alarmist view, it's just to say, I really feel that a lot of people are gonna have a lot to say, people are gonna have many feelings and sentiments, and there's going to be an opportunity for us leaders, and everyone's a leader in their own right, to really get in a state of listening and observation and support more than ever. And I think when that calendar flips to 2021, there's going to be a symbolic renewal. I think we're still in the midst of a lot of things, but I do think there's hope and opportunity for us to recalibrate, put our feet back on the ground, and get going again. But we're about in the 11th round of a 15 round prize fight. And the boxers' legs are real tired right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good analogy. Well, I'm curious following that thread, just given that you're a citizen of Canada for us in the States, obviously we're in election week and there's a lot of the anxiousness. There's a lot of unrest. And I would say collective worry about what is, about the outcome either or of what the state of affairs is going to look like in a week. And is it going to be different? It's just so mysterious. And there's a lot of, I would say, just sped up energy around That wonder. And I'm curious about what, as a Canadian, like how are you perceiving what's happening in the States in the context of what you're seeing in your clients, in your loved ones around the coronavirus? Because imagine it's different. Like we're all experiencing such a different way of the virus, and different countries are handling it differently. So I'm curious about your perception of the US right now and just the conversation amongst your family and clients and how coronavirus is impacting you. Is it different than what we're hearing on the news? I imagine it's probably different, maybe the same. I'm not sure. I'm just curious about how is that showing up for you?
2: Yeah, thanks, Jen. I think, first of all, we've been such, on a national level, partners with the US and having this you know, distinct advantage and privilege of being so close to that country as partners. And many of my dear friends, close friends, family, like you two, I mean, and many of my people live in the US, as do many of my clients, family and friends. So there's definitely a heart connection there, definitely. And I would say the Canadian population is give or take 36, 37 million. That's only the number of people in California. So we're a much smaller volume here. Relatively speaking, the coronavirus, COVID-19 cases have increased. So there's been a second wave. And it's, it's really escalated in the East, in Quebec and Ontario, and recently in the West. There's a lot of thought and a lot of anxiousness around that as well, in terms of wearing masks, kids going to school, the state of affairs with the number of people, they just put a regulation in Alberta that there can only be 15 people in, in gatherings. And so up here, it's definitely prominent. There was a significant wave through uh, seniors homes that was very sad that a lot of people lost their lives. And that was early in the coronavirus. And so I would say, again, this is speaking very generally. From my perspective, the, the observation image of the U.S. right now, there is a tremendous amount of anticipation and observation and wonder of what's going to happen because the Canadian economy is so built upon the resources in Canada. And there's just many implications, as you said, either or whichever way the election goes, there's many implications for Canada's economy. I think more so because of what's developed from a social element, from an economic element, and from a health element. There's such a commonality between the countries, and I do feel there is a conscious. And you use the word "gen" very well. There's an anxiousness. There's a kind of let's wait and see what happens to make the next move, be it economically, be it travel-wise, and even connecting with with other businesses. It's definitely a key time, and as I said. I said to a few people recently, you know, we've got Halloween on Saturday night. There's a full moon Saturday night. The clock goes back an hour. U.S. elections on the Tuesday. We've got November 11th, which is Remembrance Day. I think you call it Veterans Day down there, where typically large gap people gather to honor our veterans. And then you've got U.S. Thanksgiving and then the holidays. And so those 60 days have a lot of connection and trapping to what we deem is normal. And I think we've got 60 days coming up that are not going to be anything like we've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Great. I want to put a pin in that. I want to put a pin in the 60 days coming up. And I, I agree with your assessment and I want to come back to that. But before I do, I, I 10 minutes ago said, wait, Jen, before you introduce yourself, let's find out about Ranch." So now why don't you just share the story of how you two know each other and maybe just take us back? through a little bit of that history, if you wouldn't mind.
0: Yeah. And maybe we can tell it together, Rand. So (laughs) as Jeff and I say, we dance on it, but I believe it was 2007, right? Yeah. So I was at a place of my career where I was innovation officer and head of consulting services for SunGuard higher education. And I had, an opportunity to step away and really look at, was this the right fit? And in that time off, I threw myself into self-development, self-improvement intensives, retreats, vision quests, workshops and intensives. And one of the weekend intensives I did with my husband, Christian, we flew to Toronto and did Robin Sharma's Awaken Your Best Self weekend. And Rand and I ended up being in the same group and doing a lot of deep work around who we are at that moment, who I wanted to be. And we were paired up and I remember just being so heard in such a safe way. And we had so many synchronistic moments that literally kept on bringing us back together on breaks, on runs, we would run into each other and just the energy of exchange of positivity, of interest in coaching, of both being D1 athletes. And just, there was just such energy around it. And one of the profound experiences I had during that weekend with you, Ranj, was we had to write our own obituary and we had to read it out loud in a small group and we held space for each other. And I was bawling as I was reading what I had written. And ironically, I just found it the other day and it's so true of the legacy of light. I want to leave behind yet. It felt so vulnerable and tender and that moment that we all shared in reading, what would we want to have said about us when we pass on? And being intentional about that now and writing it ourselves was incredibly cathartic and powerful. And this is what life does. Life brings us special people, life brings us synchronistic opportunities where our paths cross, not only to escort us on to another phase of our life but to escort us into a deeper knowing of self and that's what both of you have brought to me is this incredible gift of deeper knowing of self and that is just a little kind of flavor of our awaken your best self and then 10 plus years later we're still connected. So maybe I'll let you clarify anything I missed out or anything that was important to share about it. Let's
1: have you fact check all of that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All very accurate. It was a a true privilege. And and Jen, you've always often talked about you and Jeff talked about the importance and the depth of conscious conversations. And I remember you and I had a number of them, both in our small groups and with the larger group, with Christian and the group that we were together with. I remember a couple of nights having dinner out and it was a beautiful, it was a June. It was June at the time. And I remember the sun setting, us all sitting around and just having that consciousness. And to your point as well, I did feel that there was this deep understanding of the human condition that you represented that we shared. And you mentioned it as well as that we shared an athletic background as well with you and lacrosse and what you did and just being so active and me being a former quarterback. And I think there was a there was a thread there that we went unspoken, but it was understood in the sense that we had an understanding of adversity and process and training and sportsmanship and connection and authenticity. And I, it was that was June two thousand seven. And in that time, our kids have grown, and time has gone on, and you started plenty. And I had the honor now of meeting Jeff in person, but hearing so many great things about what you both are doing. And for me, that moment they there, reading that obituary back in. June of 2007, was a key inflection point for me in my life. And to your point, making a declaration of how I wanted to be remembered and you by my side and standing there with me to this day is something that I I still cherish as as my teammate, partner, and everything else that you've been to me. So I, I really appreciate that. And even being on this with you both now, it's amazing how the years can go by, 13, 14 years go by, and the language and the messaging has evolved but it still comes from the same place. So that was how it all began in terms of you and I meeting. And like I said, I've had the privilege of watching and hearing and seeing Jeff. And now Jeff, you and I get to, to meet in person virtually, <laughs> of course, as well. And it's just, uh, it's I'm really honored and grateful that we're doing this together and that you both have done this with so many other people to bring that thought and consciousness and service to all of us.
1: Well, you are too kind and it sounds like you did verify Jen's story so that is great. <laughs> Let's go back. I want to go back to the thing that I put the pin in the wall on a few minutes ago. I loved that you talked at the at the opening about going on a walk with yourself. That is just that first of all that's just a lovely way to think about it. And second of all, Jen and I talk about this a lot. We just had a retreat at HeartSpace last week for the first time in the year. We were masked up, we were six feet apart, but it was fantastic to have conscious leaders back in HeartSpace. And one of the things we said a lot was in some way, shape or form, the phrase, be in conversation. Specifically, we're talking about being in conversation with yourself, questioning what you think you know, being reflective, being kind and gentle. And one thing I'd love for you to talk about, I think what I saw last week in person as we delivered that message is it's sometimes hard for some people to separate being in conversation with yourself, which is an interactive, ongoing, lively process with grinding and worrying and a lot of people i think feel like they're in conversation with their, themselves and it's a really ugly conversation to be part of it's replaying it's rewinding it's grinding so i'd love for you to just talk about how does that process of being in your own dialogue work for you and for people who maybe can't get out of the loop whenever they're alone what do you say to them about creating some space so they can actually hear what's really dying to come out.
2: That's brilliant. And just the way you describe that puts forth the demarcation line that has to exist when you have a conversation with yourself. And this is something I've learned. To the point of grinding and worrying, I've been there many times. And what happens, I have found through my own experience, is that rather than a conversation, that grind and worry is more... Around the the vein of a diatribe or a dissertation or a dictation, you imagine getting talking with someone and having them shout at you or having them give it to you, and and you sitting there going looking at them and saying, "I just want to get a word in. I want to explain myself." And so the demarcation line the other side of that I think exists, and I start with an invitation. So anytime I talk to myself, I always invite myself in. I, I just say, "Hey," whether it's the ranch dad, whether it's the husband, whether it's the Former quarterback, whether it's the entrepreneur, whether it's me 75 years old many years from now, I ensure I put forth an invitation to say, I'd like you to come and, come on a walk with me. I'd like you to, would you be welcome, willing to come on a walk and you're welcome to. The moment I step in with myself, I then dial into my virtues of kindness, listening, gratitude, compassion and presence, whereby if I'm battling with myself, which I have, it becomes more of the locker room shout at halftime, telling everyone to get there, you know, what's moving. And sometimes you need that as well. And so what you both have done with this element of conversation and, and teaching people about that is the times with ourselves, I would encourage people to create an invitation for yourself. And that might be through journaling. You know, Jen introduced me to this beautiful concept years back of the idea of conscious conversations. She taught me that. I remember her, her and I talking. to so, Ranj, I'm doing this thing called conscious conversations. And that stuck with me since Jen shared that with me years ago. And I've now brought that into my own life in terms of times with myself. I believe, Jeff, that's the line. And sometimes we need a hard talking to, to ourselves. But when we provide that invitation, we have to think, how would I invite Jen or Jeff to sit beside me and talk? How would I invite my mother? How would I invite my wife or my friend or my child for that matter? How would I conduct myself? Most people have three signs on them. Everyone has three signs on them. This one says, please validate me. This one says, please understand me. And this one says, I hope I matter. And they're blinking all the time. And I think at the end of the day, we just want to be understood and want to be appreciated. And we want to hope that what we say matters.
0: Absolutely. We often say like people's fundamental need is to be seen, to be heard, and to matter. And I love how you describe and are modeling the opportunity to have the conversation with yourself. One of the practices of Lantern, our leadership retreat that we kind of try and illustrate through some of the exercises is that without talking about it, we show it, is the idea that when you're looking at somebody else's like artwork, it's easier to step into the observer's eye in that it's neutral. You don't have a spin on it. You're looking with fresh insight. You're looking with a blank canvas, if you will. And the practice is to observe our own selves Observe our own monkey minds or busyness or worry or anxiousness. Like, what is the narrative? And is that helping or hurting us? Is that empowering or disempowering? Is it helpful or not helpful? And when we can create that little bit of distance between, I am this thought, therefore I am this thinking. Versus like, I have worried thinking right now. I am not worried thought. That's not who I am. But I'm human and I can see that given the external situation and we often kind of justify the thinking because of what we see out there or what we see as reality or the news or the election or there's so much justification to be worried and to be anxious. So we actually build a business case for it, right? And then then we don't separate ourselves between that type of habit, habitual thinking or thought, and it feels so justifiable. And it makes sense to our mind that we haven't, we can't create any distance. Like I become that, which I'm thinking. And I love the invitation that you say, it's just like, can I just show up to myself in witness? And a witness is literally doesn't have any spin on it. There's no objectification that I am that thought. Right. But I have that thinking. And when we don't have to kind of work on it or solve it or change it, which is very opposite from what we were doing in 2007, like we were trying to fix those thinking to get someplace else. Right. Rather than I think what Jeff and I are experiencing now with some other kind of work is like, well, can I see that I have that, but I'm not that. And if I leave it alone and honor it as a part of me, with some observation and witnessing distance, then I can see it as potentially a gift or a tool or a different way to know thyself. I just think that's really an important part of our path right now of being our own best friends like giving ourselves the ability to be seen to be heard to feel like we matter like that can't be given to us Mm. we have to give it to ourselves and i love the idea that you're inviting one of the many hats that you wear into the conversation to be it's a wonderful practice
2: thank you thank you how do you both you know we talk about what we in terms of this self conversation and having this connection with ourselves. How do you both embrace or employ a process of recovery, whereby you're putting out so much service and energy and just wonderful, uh, I would say, a positive hope for all of us in the service that you do through plenty. But how do you personally recover and get yourself ready for the next day or the next conversation whatnot? Because what I'm impressed by is the consistency of your messaging and how you both always come back to a base camp mentality of saying, this is what we stand for, this is why we're here, and this is what we are offering. It's never, this is how it has to be, this is what you have to do, or this is how it is. It's never like that. It's it's much of an invitation. And so I wanted to ask you both how you go through your own process of recovery to getting into that space on such a
1: consistent basis. I'm going to let Jen take the first crack at that, even though you're looking at me like, what? And here's why I'm gonna let you take the first crack at that, because one of the practices, one of the ways I would answer is space matters. And I think it's one of the biggest things I've learned from Jen and practiced at Plenty with Jen is creating elbow room for the soul. So there I went first, even by saying, that I was going to let you go first, which is really a shitty thing to do, but I did it. So Jen, you go, and then I'm going to tag on to whatever else you say.
0: I love the question. Thank you for asking it. I think our souls need space and our souls occupy more space than we can imagine. It's infinite. And it's kind of the idea that we can be in multi-universe, multiverse it's called. We can be in multiple places. Like, how is that possible? Well, our soul is so expansive. And I would say this has been kind of a becoming, a journey of more allowing to know what works for me and what I need to refuel, to replenish, to recharge because i do get signals around your question around like when the reciprocity of the giving and receiving cycle is off even if i can justify it as good intent i was just talking to one of my other my close girlfriends about this and you know was saying like even when we were on planes and traveling across the country and there was so much goodness and it's almost like you're riding on the intent to share and it felt so aligned with our purpose and growth. My body was physically exhausted, depleted in the tank. My cortisol levels were shot. Like I didn't have the physical capacity, even though I thought I was walking the path of my purpose. And so for me, space looks like rest. That looks like getting myself in nature as much as possible. It looks like alone time, like having no mommy, mom, 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 help, mom, help the constant mom. The second I walk in the door, which is incredible gift, but, or holding space and listening for others. I find that I need to listen to myself. And the only way I can do that is quiet the noise. So journaling has helped picking my spiritual card decks in the morning helps. But honestly, I'm trying to undo more and more where that space is not occupied by more things to do, even if it's like spiritual, or it looks like it's replenishing or taking a bath and drinking tea or whatever the thing is feels like it may sound good to, these are all the things I can take care of myself. And they come to me and I do do them, but I'm finding that my soul is needing more restoration and I'm getting that restoration in quietness outside in nature where there's no conversation happening other than attuning to my soul speak. And as silly as that may sound, like listening to what the urge is, listening to my knowing and listening to what I find beautiful. And beauty is a language of my soul, like beauty I'm finding fills me inside and out. So I'll throw the baton back to you, Jeff. I love the idea of like giving your soul elbow room is a beautiful sentiment. And each one of us needs different space at times. How would you answer that?
1: Well, that's a big part of it. And I think we all got a gift of space and all had a chance to decide whether we wanted it or not, or many of us. I want to keep saying, as we've said on every podcast episode, that speaking from a place of privilege, I was given the gift of space. Many people were not. And I think that's part of it. I think there's another part of it that I'm still playing with now about being the cue stick and not the pool ball. And I'm not exactly sure I'm gonna find the right way to say this, but years ago, when I was an undergrad, I was exposed to a reading from a, I don't know how old it is, it might be 100 years old. And I don't even know this author, the guy's name is Sidney Harris, but the title of it is, Do You Act or React? And it's just kind of a literary verse. And one of the lines stuck with me that no one's more unhappy than the perpetual reactor. And I think, Although knowing that intellectually, a lot of my life, I have been a reactor. People make me mad and things make me happy. And I think what I've been experimenting a lot with during the last six months, when you have space is part of it. But then it's like getting clear about what you actually need versus what is a reaction that you think you need. Like I'll give an example right now, right now, I'm experimenting and really enjoying an alcohol-free life and it's new for me. And I would have told you, Jen's probably heard me say every day of the work week for, you know, five years, wow, I need a glass of wine, right? I think I need. But when you get space and you get into a reflective place and say, well, actually, I am, I don't react. So can I be an inquiry about like what's purest for me? I don't need wine. That's not what I want. What I want is understanding, validation to be heard. I want the lights that are blinking that you talked about. I love that metaphor. I wanna answer those. And what if I have those answers? What if the answers don't come in reaction to someone else? So I think this like this posture of proactivity, and I'm hesitant to use that word because I think it's an acne medication, but also it sounds like action orientation and that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is like inner direction. Mm-hmm. And I think going into that place has not always been comfortable, but space invites that. Yep. Like, and <laughs> yeah. I think that for me, I'm always tempted to look at recovery i love that you use the word recovery as like a vending machine and you know i put in something and i get so i get a glass of wine i get exercise i get a funny sitcom on netflix and that's not filling back up like that's stimulus response so that's when i'm i think that's what i'm experimenting with now and there's this rich world it feels like a really rich world but here's how this works, Ranch. Now you got to answer your own questions. So how would you answer that? Like, again, and you're someone who's, who's teaching this to people. So how do, you, how do you recharge and recover?
2: Yeah, thank you, both of you. Thanks for your contributions in terms of, Jen, how you so eloquently talked about space, which figuratively and literally is something that we're all seeking. And I think it's timeless. And so thank you for sharing that. Through generations, people are seeking space. That's why people settle in new areas, literally settle in new areas, because they're looking for space or move to places or even change their surroundings. So thank you for that. And Jeff, thank you for alluding to the point of around recovery. When I was younger, I was afraid to drive back across the Rockies and tell them I didn't make it. So I moved to a town in 1998, started a business, didn't know anyone, one person. And I was driven, which I thought was by my work ethic and how I was raised, but it was more by fear. And so similar to you, I you know I, I don't drink alcohol and I didn't do drugs or anything like that. But what I did was I leaned into work thinking that was a conduit to show that I could make it. But really, when I break it down and I watch my old game film, and often as a former athlete, I do that. I take game film off the shelf, metaphorically speaking, and watch it. And so I can learn from what happened before. And so that drive was more of a reaction depletion cycle where by now I'm looking at my life and saying recovery and response allows me to glean the most out of time, which is only right now. So the commitment to the present moment, I'm in a constant state of response and recovery, even preparing for this today, which I was so thrilled about. I went for an early morning walk I had a client call this morning, had time with the kids and Heather and my wife before they went to school. And I actually just sat down for five minutes. It was five minutes. It was absolutely silent. No one was home. And obviously, I'm doing this from my home office. And I just sat in space and time and I, I actually felt myself recovering. Even though I hadn't exerted myself, I was allowing my presence, my observation, my sensory capacity what put me in a primal position. So I could hear feel, smell, taste, and see 10 times better than I could yesterday in preparation for this. So how do I recover? I really get into that state of those quiet moments that Jen beautifully described of space. That could be in my own living room. That could be on a drive. That could be on a morning walk. It could be during a workout. It could be in within the, my family on, on a weeknight. But really understanding that That space and time that you talk about calls for us to be present. There's so many distractions and there's so many side doors in life. And I'm not going to judge those. Those It would be easy to say those are bad or those are negative. I think that's attachment when we talk about it like that. I just think those are other choices that perhaps don't serve us. And so what I choose to do is in my recovery, I pick my moments and I get right into presence. And it puts me in a primal state. I'm often I'll just share this with you. I'm often fascinated. Like I grew up in Vancouver and then moved to Calgary or by the Rocky Mountains. And I often say to people, "Do you ever see wolves and cougars racing around the forest? Do you actually ever see them? You don't. Why? Because their game is slow. They go slower so they can go faster. They sit in time and space and recover, and more of their time spent in recovery so they can perpetuate the gene pool." and actually lasts for generations. And we're marveling at these beautiful, majestic animals that continue to thrive generation after generation. Why? Because they spend more time in recovery than they do reaction or response. And that's a very primal example, but I'm thinking if we can adopt that as humans, we'll have higher propensity to be absolutely connected to the moment rather than attached to the trappings of what should happen, what did happen, or what's going to happen. Long answer to your short question. (laughs) It was your question. It was a great (laughs) question. (laughs) I think it was my question. That's where I feel recovery can really play a role in life.
0: I love it. I think we often share with businesses and teams, and it's a comment that's easily taken intellectually, but it speaks to exactly what you're talking about, is this idea that we need to slow down so that we can speed up and what we mean by that is connected to presence and i love that you shared that because i really believe we believe that that is one of our superpowers Mm. and it's been hijacked by culture by performance by what we think we have to do what we should do by all the people telling us what to do and when we are not present the consequences are that we have to repeat the territory we just came over Mm. so on a meeting we just had this conversation with a client yesterday zoom call if you want you can totally multitask right like you're behind the computer you can hide your video like there's ways that can make it really easy for you to do everything else other than be here now but when you're not really here you miss it you don't hear what's being said. You don't hear beyond the words. You don't hear where the person's coming from. And then we rob ourselves of that exchange. And so the trite statement that literally our presence is the gift, it is the present we give each other, that I think the more we can experiment with what that looks like, even if it's five minutes of just stopping, like stop, literally sit You don't have to run so freaking fast. And I love that analogy of actually, if we look to nature, nature is in rest mode, so it can grow like it is in hibernation. And we're going through this period in the Northern hemisphere where we're going into hibernation and that opportunity to slow down, to literally stop, to create space for ourselves. We don't have to be given it unintentionally. And we call that the forced rest period or the Mack truck or the forced smackdown that we all have, like running too fast. Oh, going to get your attention. You're not going to be able to run as fast. And so really, we're seeing the quality of our work change, the more intentional the quality of our presence is. And maybe, Jeff, you can kind of share and close us out. But I love this idea of space, of presence, of stopping, so that we can tune into the fullest capacity of our senses to take action later rather than just keep on moving forward. So we're so depleted.
1: Yeah. And I'm hearing something deeper. I love all of that, Jen. And hearing something deeper, Range, on what you shared that is maybe the, the teaser for next time we have you because you have to come back, which is you can choose your own framing. And I think a powerful thing for COVID for me, and I hope for many people, you know, we don't often see the frames that we've put ourselves in until they break or until they're disrupted. And COVID is, I think in very good ways, helping people question their frames. Some of the frames are systemic, Why do a huge number of children in the United States live in such poverty that they can only get fed during school? That's a frame we all lived with. Not sure it actually works or that we want to be in that. But there's frames that are personal too. You know, the number of people who've said to me in the last two months, wow, I'm finding like I really can't go back to nine to five anymore or eight to six anymore. And it's like, no, no, you were never supposed to be doing that to begin with. Like, who said that was the great way to, like, get high performance is, you know, five days a week, right in a row, you'll sit at a desk for nine hours straight, and then you'll do work on the train, and then you'll try to do everything else. Like, what a terrible way to perform, but, like, that's the frame, so we're all in it. And... I think there's such an invitation when you slow down, when you get in conversation with yourself, when you invite yourself in, which we could have a whole nother podcast on that. What a lovely turn of phrase that is. You start to say, does this work for me? And here's the great takeaway. If it doesn't, you actually could change that. It's never been easier than ever to break out of the frame. and That is my wish for the next 60 days is if the waters do kind of get calmer, that we don't all hop back into the, the small, tiny rafts we were in when this all started, because there's so much more on offer for us than I'm mixing my metaphors than whatever frame we were living in.
0: And the frame to that point, we talk a lot about matters so much in business and in strategy and it sets expectations. It sets the course and it sets a meeting. Like what's the intention of the meeting? What's the framework that is leveling the playing field so everybody knows like what conditions, what rules we're abiding by. And if they don't work for you to question them. And I love that, Jeff. I think one of the biggest questions we founded a business on this years ago, healthy, happy human beings was based on what works for you. Mm. And that's different than your neighbor. It's different than your spouse. It's different than your coworker or partner oftentimes. And so that idea of like really listening to the frame that you're buying into, but what works for you and experimenting with letting go of the stuff that no longer you've outgrown those clothes. A lot of us literally have outgrown our closet or clothes and questioning whether it works for us now is I think, a wonderful thing to ponder in the next 60 days.
2: Yeah, really powerful. Both of you, thank you. And, and to your point, Jeff, are talking about finding their way in, in these other frames that we talked about. And Jen, with your talk about space, what's resonating for me right now is the notion that our highest self, which is most aligned with our deepest virtues, never subscribes to mediocrity. It doesn't judge us if we're in that state. It doesn't leave us, but our highest self stays purely and pristinely aligned with our highest virtue, doesn't subscribe to a lower vibration. And so it's incumbent upon us, I think, over these next two months that are coming up to have those conversations with ourselves, to lean into things like the Plenty podcast and voices and venues and messages that can just give us an opportunity to get in that space of presence. Doesn't mean we have to subscribe, just means when we do listen, our highest self, I believe, opens the door and invites us up. We're all going through response and recovery and reaction. Just being human means that we're going to go into swales once in a while. That's life. and as Rocky Balboa said, life is undefeated and it always will be. <laughs> He's one of, my, one of my favorite guys because he comes up with that great stuff and life is undefeated. But life has allowed us on its team. And the more we can subscribe to that highest self and listening to that voice, the more opportunity and propensity we're going to have to get into space, to appreciate presence, to go slower, to go faster. And oftentimes, when you do slow down, you actually build up an inherent explosiveness, which isn't anger-based. It's not aggressive. It's not untoward. But what I mean by explosiveness is it allows you to be at your highest self of expression, Communication, love, and connection. And that then becomes under our dominion to share when we're ready. Whereas if we're in a subscription of a low vibration, it's very hard to do that. And, and I thank you both for continuing to stay on the consistent message around this idea of creating space of gratitude, of accountability to oneself, because I've listened to many of your, many of your pieces. And obviously, I've known Jen for many years. And Jeff, I've known you through the virtual platform of watching the plenty of pieces. And I just wanna thank you both for continuing that messaging. And I believe creating an invitation for us listeners. It's never saying, I've said this before, you not once have said, this is what you have to do. You've invited us to come in. And for that, I'm grateful.
0: Thank you. Well, what a beautiful example of relationships that uplift. And we're all fortunate, I think, to have, if you look at your life, uh, the special relationships that make you better, that see you and want the best for you. And now is the time to harness and to restore those friendships and relationships, because we are a communal species and we need each other to thrive. We are not meant to walk this path alone. And I... Get so fulfilled having conscious conversations like these with two incredible humans that I feel so blessed to be in relationship with. So, thank you, Ranj, for joining us. More to come, more to share. And if anybody would like to learn more about Ranj Bawa and Renewed Balance Lifestyle Coaching, you can find him at renewedbalance.ca. And you also have your own podcast. Where can they find and tune into your podcast and what you're doing there?
2: Thank you for that. People can find it at the Ranch Ballad podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. I also have a website, uh that has blogs, podcast information there that hopefully can be of service to anyone who's on this and I would invite my contact information's on there if anyone does have a question. Or would like to support me being invited into this planted community? I feel very privileged, and anything I can do to serve, I'm here for you, you both, and your community. So thank you very much, and I I can't wait till the next time.
1: <laughs> we're counting it down. We're gonna <laughs> lock it. We'll lock you up after this. Thanks everybody for listening. Please, if you like what you hear, remember to subscribe and write us a rating, send us a comment. It's not that hard to do. Ellie, we're talking to you, and we everything. <laughs> that people send us. And we talked a little bit about Lantern, our leadership retreat. Our 2021 dates are gonna be on our website as you listen to this. So check us out at plentyconsulting.com. Thanks everybody for being here and thank you, Range. Thank Thank
0: you. you. Be so well. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at plentyconsulting.com.